Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Red Couch Theology Podcast. This week, we are talking about Easter and resurrection, but the conversation took a turn right around the 25 to 30 minute mark of our conversation, and we talked about some of the challenging parts of the gospel. Gospel means good news, and it is good news, and we think it means good news, but there's parts of the gospel that are maybe a little bit hard to stomach. We're going to talk about that. And if you don't want to get through all our meandering, you can just pick up the episode right around that 25 to 30 minute mark and hear about that. But without any further ado, you hear our sometimes meandering conversation about the gospel, about resurrection, and the good news. Let's tune in. Hello. Go live. live. Are we in focus? We're good. Is that angle right? Today. Well, the screen is definitely crooked, but... But the angle's perfect. I think we're perfect. I love it. Welcome. Hello. We are here at the Red Couch Theology Podcast, and um, we're going to talk about Easter and resurrection. Yeah, we are. Which we started talking about last week. We did sneakily talk about it in the, the field of uh, quantum mechanics. Yes. Uh, I believe, which you love. I love. We could talk about it another hour. <laughs> Join us on the Red Couch Quantum Mechanics podcast. Yes, except for I learned something. Well, you had a story to tell about that from Sunday, but I also have a story to tell about that from Sunday. Well, I was simply saying in my yeah somewhere randomly connected brain, um, there is a joy. I kind of linked quantum mechanics to the possibility of resurrection. Um, yeah, not, totally. not that the two are connected directly, but just that really, perhaps the one thing we learn from a field like quantum mechanics, which in one sentence is what? Wait, sorry. What did we learn from quantum mechanics? No, no, mechan- no. What, what in one sentence is quantum mechanics? If people, if people thought they tuned into a theology podcast and didn't realize it's, they needed to know about quantum mechanics. Well, quantum mechanics, I don't know. I don't usually use that term. So I, that was the term phys- I was told to use? Yeah, that's, that might be yeah. correct. And I'm definitely, I, I always search for quantum physics when okay, I'm studying yeah. it. What is quantum physics? So quantum physics is just physics at the quantum level. What's it's the just quantum level? Very, very small things. Okay, there we go. So if you're unsure and you came to a theology physics podcast and the feel very, like very small you need a working scientific things. knowledge, it's very, very small stuff. So I started trying to talk about this um, and looked across the room and happened to notice someone I know who has a PhD in quantum mechanics um, and had this moment of like, oh, what am I doing here? Um, Yeah. Uh, Right after putting up a quote from one of the leading (laughs) uh, uh, quantum physicists uh, that it's not understandable. Yeah. (laughs) And then you you said, I just tried to explain it. And then you look out and there's like someone there who's got a... (laughs) A degree I was in like, it. oh my goodness, this is why preaching such a dangerous activity when you try and bring in other fields. Totally. And then like, <laughs> my story is the first person I talked to in the lobby afterwards was a guest of one of our members, or actually it was his son, who's a quantum physicist. And I'm like, and and I'm like, I was like, so how did Alex do? And he's like, yeah, it was like really helpful illustration and stuff. You know, you got one little thing uh, backwards the way he described it. Or something like that. But it was like, he's like, yeah, it was still useful. It was really helpful. Anyway, but then I, of course, I'm a nerd. Like an idiot, I decide I should talk to this guy about all of my knowledge. I love it. And I started talking and I was like, he's looking at me like, I love that this guy thinks he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> so, so maybe we shouldn't talk about it because the reality is, I just because I've spent way too many nerdy hours on YouTube watching video after video after video after video mm. uh even part of a lecture series from princeton you know, i still have no clue what i'm talking well, about well that's the thing isn't it like to uh, the, you know the phrase a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing yes um, and i feel like there's so many areas that i have a little bit of knowledge on you're just um, a really dangerous man yeah and I, so <laughs> I, I i feel like i can talk about like car mechanics in a way that kind of makes it sound like I know what I'm doing. I can definitely not do that. But I'm useless, really. I, I might mean, be able to name a couple fancy items oh, yeah. in the car. Catalytic yeah. converter. Oh, that is a fancy item. Look out. Apparently it's so fancy that people steal them now regularly. 
So watch yeah. out for that. But it just, uh, I, I just feel like there's a, there's a, yeah, bluff that you can play. I actually bought a book once called Bluff Your Way Through Rugby. Um, and it gives you like all of the knowledge you need to pretend that you know how to play and even that you have played seriously at some point. Um, <laughs> yeah, like there's a whole bunch of questions as to why someone would do that. Like what, <laughs> what identity crisis is going on that you need to convince yourself you played a dangerous, convince people you played a dangerous sport at some point. So we're all very broken people is I think the answer. But sometimes an, an area grabs our interest and you really do deep dive as you really do with this. But again, catching up to like expert level. Uh, and we would nav have no expectation that a quantum physicist would be able to sit with us and, and sort of go through like why or how we put church services together and chord progression in worship songs or et cetera, et cetera. And yeah. I don't know. Maybe they do fine. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys are so yeah. wicked smart. CDG, how hard can it be? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, let's let's be honest. Let's be honest here. No, um, uh, yeah. So we we talked. We you talked about that and got a little nervous in the middle of a message when you saw. No, but yeah. what was the point? The the why behind the what? I think I think we got the stamp of approval at least from the physicist I talked to. We got the stamp of approval on the principle. Yes, even with some Easter generosity. Did the our lights light? just nearly go off? Quantum mechanics. Did our lights just get brighter? Uh, the lights are moving like a wave. Um, I don't know. Are they a particle? I don't know. One of the two. Uh, so, so the point was really landing on like there's mysteries to science that are that are still unexplainable. Uh, a year, a uh, hundred years after they were first, the mystery was first discovered. Yeah, like the the question of why does space time etc cetera, etc cetera, operate like this? We're like we don't know. Um, the universe is so much bigger than we can comprehend, and and then there's this thing in play that that I have a baseline understanding of called the observer effect. Somehow observing uh, something happen changes it, not just like. Not not just for you as an experience, but actually changes it in the well, world. I think maybe that's where he was. That was that was I was like question. Okay. I, I I mean I didn't. Ask. I started to get so nervous talking to the guy that I I just sort of slowly backed oh, away. Oh, I've got something like to you, do. Like the little th the clip of Homer Simpson <laughs> yeah, backing. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of into the headshot. I was like, I have other people that are not as smart as you to talk to right now. Um, but I don't know for sure. I have some complicated chord structures to go memorize. I do know that um, at least that that's debated highly okay. for physicists to say, like uh, a true physicist is going to say, absolutely not. Like huh. that can't be what's actually happening. Huh. So there's got to be other theories for why. Okay. Like there's something about the measurement tool that is changing the experiment it's obviously not the observation of it huh because if you're if you're holding to a, a totally um naturalistic more of a classical physics framework you you can't appeal to that yes there's got to be cause and effect there's hmm. um every action yes. has a equal and opposite reaction all these kinds of I think things that was in hamilton wasn't it Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. I'm not sure Hamilton coined it. <laughs> it wasn't okay. <laughs> but it I might have been Hamilton. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's Einstein or someone of his equivalent brain. <laughs> Which is hilarious because he came after Einstein, uh, Hamilton. Yeah. Or was it Newton? Maybe Newton was... Well, let's be honest. Theory. Hamilton, the musical, did not come... <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh uh, man yeah okay so, so broadly speaking the 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 hope on easter was rather than to say i'm going to try and prove resurrection to a to a group of people that includes some skeptics on easter but just to try and land in like oh wow is this as impossible as science or more scientific people or people that come from an atheistic scientific point of view is it more possible than those people let on? And I think that that's fascinating philosophically because we might say, say on the people listening to this podcast uh, and you and I, so all 10 of us or whatever, no, it's more than that, but you know, like that, that group of people, like say out of that group, 
95% of us land in the category that would say, I want to believe in something. Mm. Surprisingly yeah. to people like us, there's a whole other group of people that would say, if I'm honest, I don't want to believe in something. Um, and so I actually read a quote from a guy called Thomas Hegel, who's a, a philosopher who would not describe himself as Jewish in background, would not describe himself as theistic at all. And he says, you know, the same fear that a theist or a believer in God has that smart people are atheists. I have about the multiple people I know that I know are very smart and also have a religious faith. So, so yeah. we as a group of people that are somewhat wired to say, no, I, I, I believe and I want to keep believing. There's a whole other group of people that are like, no, I actively don't want to believe. Um, and so trying to create some sense of like, huh, have you ever thought about what's really possible? Like, isn't it funny to think that the same doubts people that are more religious faith orientated might have about like, wow, is, am I crazy? Like, is, is there really a God out there that loves me and cares about me? People that come from an atheist sort of framework are like, oh no, like, what if there is? Like, is that, like, is that possible? Like the doubt works both ways. Um, yes. So, so I, I just was hoping to create a little bit more sense of like what's possible. Yeah, I'm, I'm like sitting here resisting the urge to bring up like five more physics <laughs> examples <laughs> of this. Of things that like the, we should the, talk yeah. about the event horizon of black holes because that's Absolutely another massive problem. We should. There's a great movie. What about happens that. to objects that fall into a black? Oh, anyway, sorry. They well, they they <sighs> go off into a movie and end up in hell. You're not seen Event Horizon. No. Uh, isn't that a documentary? <laughs> I don't know. They go to uh, hell? That's what happens in Event Horizon, I think, if I remember rightly. Maybe spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah Event Horizon's at least <laughs> 20, it's at least 25 like years only, old. Like it's like if if is it a spoiler alert if you're only about 50% confident <laughs> that the spoiler you're giving is accurate? No, I don't think it is. I don't All think right. you need to worry. Um, um so so but you I mean you mentioned one to me that was centered around like how different atoms interact with each other, right? Quantum entanglement. Yeah, they, they yeah. that it's faster than the speed of light. Which for years There's either was like, some sort of communicate, yeah, yeah, yeah. or the, they're the, being changed by the observation. And you can look exactly, and then and then you can look at a whole bunch of other things. Like somehow in a forest, a tree can be attacked by a specific type of bug, and it can let a tree a hundred yards away know that this is the case, and it can secrete some kind of thing to resist or to to drive the bug away. Somehow it communicates over that distance with no way of us knowing how. Um, like the, there's a whole mysteriousness to the universe that's truly compelling. Uh, yeah. And so sometimes as 21st century people, I think what happens is we get so locked into our routine of school runs and work life and checking social media that we start to think, oh, there is no mystery to the world anymore. We get news from across the world in seconds and we start to say, we know how the world works. And we're kind of beyond any sense of like the supernatural and resurrection. Um, and yeah. yet everything about the deep sciences, the real sciences tells us, no, there's so much mystery. Um, and, and so this story from 2000 years ago becomes quite possible in light of some of those things. Totally. Yeah. And the, the more, I, well, let's put it like this. Uh, uh, the more time I've spent studying science, um, the more plausible faith becomes. Yeah. To me, yeah, yeah. personally. Again, this is not every scientist feels that way. No. But um, I have not been served poorly by that endeavor. There was a there was a time where I was kind of like, I was going through what you might call the deconstruction, mm -hmm. where I was like, well, what I, I need to... I. I'm too curious and I'm too frustrated with people saying you shouldn't study this. You shouldn't read this. You be careful with that field yeah, of study yeah, yeah. because you might go off the quote unquote deep end. <gasps> not that deep end. And let me, let me tell you like, and this may not, and that might be true for some folks, but at least in my personal experience, the more I read the people I wasn't supposed to read mm. and the more I, 
And I just submitted my soul to the Spirit. I said, Spirit, you're, one of your jobs, according to the Scriptures, is to keep me. Mm. And so keep me. Yeah. If you're, if you're real, keep me. Yeah. And then I just studied. I read the people I wasn't supposed to read. And then I studied the sciences that I wasn't supposed to study. And what I left is like, Jesus kept rising to the surface as more compelling, more beautiful, mm. more um, of a brilliant mind about how humanity mm. should exist and all of this. Well, go figure, the creator of the universe. So Which, you know, I you walked know what that away. reminds me of? Yeah. Can I, can I tell a random story that isn't mine? Sure. It doesn't have to get uh, Aaron incredibly create a new button uh, about six minutes before the podcast that if I ever tell a random story... That we desperately need to use. That we don't have, so you can play the button, I guess, even though this isn't my story. All right, here gonna, we go. Here we, we're, this is supposed to be after the random story, oh, though. Oh, sorry. Okay. Not before. Okay, we could do it before. Oh, well, no, we could... Just play it. Random stories with Alex. I probably need to re-record. It's pretty quiet. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, I couldn't hear it, but but it was actually one of our staff members, Angela, that was telling the story the other day. Yeah. It was at a, at a staff meal, so you may not have heard it, but she was talking about scuba diving. Okay. Uh, and she was saying like she she hated the ocean and deep water until she went scuba diving. Um, and she said once I'd scuba dived, I'd seen what was down there. And, and, and huh. I started to fall in love with like the beauty of it and how much you could see um, and, and how much you could interact with. And so now she said, when I swim on the top or I'm on the top of the water, I'm like, no, I know that world a little bit. Now, now it's infinitely explorable. So there's, there's elements that you're still learning, but, but the world became a familiar thing. And I sometimes think that about like the, the study of when people say you might fall off the deep end or something like that. I actually think sometimes reading some of the stuff that some people would say don't read actually gives you a sense of like, oh no, okay, I kind of know what's down there now. Um, that's that's actually been yeah. helpful. Um, totally. Wh whereas I think there is a whole world that says, or, or there's been a whole Christian point of view that says, yeah, don't don't read anyone that doesn't agree with what you believe already, which seems a horrible way to exist. Um, yes, personally, totally. It's it's definitely a way to never, ever be exposed to anything but what you already are. Never be transformed. Never. Yeah. I mean, it's a sounding chamber. You're just like in a little box. Totally. You yeah. only just self affirming yeah, yeah, yeah. sounding chamber box. Yeah. Yeah. So if nothing else, like reading. I don't know if that qualifies as a random story. You tied it in so beautifully. Well, I think I tie in every story beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> in my mind, they always connect. There are no random stories. Yeah. Just... Here I am recording this little, like, stupid jingle. Random stories with Alex. She's like, hey, I don't tell random stories. <laughs> I tell purposefully connected stories. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of random things, um, we're 17 minutes into our podcast. And yeah. we were having discussion earlier <laughs> about the length of our podcast <laughs> and how right around 20, 25, 30 minutes into our podcast, we usually discover what the podcast is going to be about. Hey, maybe we're, we're on a journey with you live. <laughs> Um, no one ever looked at a river and said, I love that that river's straight. Like, we, yeah. this is supposed to meander. We meander, and then we usually we discover a subject matter that's exciting, and then it, like, takes on a life of its yeah. own. And then probably the last 30 minutes is, like, really, I think it's pretty good stuff. <laughs> so, so, so if you've you're got the another kind of, five minutes to wait before it gets pertinent. <laughs> so if you're, like, just totally annoyed with the first 25 minutes, of our episodes, you could just fast forward to 30 minutes. Usually there's something actually good. Mm. So so continuing with Easter, um, Jesus dies on Good Friday, the Saturday, and, yep. and Jewish holiday. Um, incredibly all sorts of visitors in Jerusalem. Everything's like noise, 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 noise. It's like, I mean, I mean, probably the best modern example, even though it feels very different in some ways, is like something like Carnival in rio or something like that it's a celebration mm. it's the big event of the year um and yet for the disciples of course there's like the trauma of jesus death and then what comes now like do they even celebrate passover like what do they even do we don't even get a window into that it just skips the saturday mm. do they go through the religious observances do they just say like there's no, no point doing anything anymore 
Then Sunday comes, a couple of women go to the tomb, they find the grave, stone roll back, they hear the words from the angel, he's not here, he's risen. And then the story continues from there into what we'll now do as a community, which is Eastertide, the unfolding of the story through to Pentecost. Um, so it is, it, is a, it is a story that requires faith to believe because it's not the normal story. Um, yes. Everything tells us like when, when death happens. I think last year, uh, maybe at South, I told a story about, <laughs> I think I accidentally ran over my own cat. Um, it was pretty traumatic. I don't remember that story. I, I definitely told it. I'm, I'm sure I did. Uh -oh. I, I, I came back was from an early morning prayer meeting and found my cat dead on the road. All my parents had found it. And I'd been the only one that had left that morning and it was pretty quiet. Now, maybe somebody else did it. But I remember like the devastation. Like the screech and, didn't cue you in? I didn't hear it. <laughs> I didn't hear it. Um, no. Oh, you cat lovers this out there just like cat. mortified. This we just a, got shut off by cat lovers. This was the best ever. cat ever. No, I can redeem it. This was the best, best cat I've ever had. Wonderful cat. Uh, I don't like any of my cats I have now, but this cat was great. Um, and I remember lying there, lying, sitting there with the cat, and it's obviously the, the body's cold and started to rigor mortis. It's gone stiff. Um, and just like saying, God, like you can resurrect this thing. Like I miss my cat. <laughs> like, you know, and, 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 and yet you know, like it doesn't happen almost every time. Uh, the Jesus story is the time it does happen. Um, at least that's what we're told, right? That's the that's yeah. the, the faith that we we hold. So if someone's a skeptic, like why believe this story is different to all the other stories? Hmm. Yeah. Well, that that actually. So, I, where you you're actually asking me? Yeah. What I just really wanted to ask a different question, a slightly twist on the same question, but so why is this story the most compelling or compelling even though it doesn't happen often? Yeah. Um, I love we've twisted well, the, the tables. You usually ask me the question. Well, I wasn't ready. I don't know where no. this came from. Um, it's like when I stole your introduction the other week. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> what is happening? Give <laughs> that back. What happens now? This is a, this is a, I well, like I mean, world. I think, I think. I might actually approach the answer in a different way, oh. um, which is similar to, uh, like, I believe the resurrection confirms who Jesus was. Mm. It, like, there's all this evidence. You can go, evidence demands a verdict, all these, like, whatever, like, um, yeah, case tons, for Christ. Case for Christ. Doing. There's all this explanation. And I think that there's some really powerful historical, mm. sociological, yeah. Uh, explanations for that the resurrection happened. But for me, the reason it's so compelling has less to do with the resurrection itself, but it has to do with the teachings of Jesus before he died. Mm. Jesus painted this picture of what the kingdom could be, um, uh, what human existence could look like mm. if we follow a certain type of of existence as human beings. And that is so beautiful and so different and so brilliant and so true to life. Mm. Um, and then the resurrection sort of says, oh, and here's why he was the most qualified mm. human, God, to give us advice about how to be human. Mm. And... So the resurrection is just like this tying up of the bow. It's the most compelling story and way of being human possible. And I, so that's one of the reasons why the resurrection is so beautiful to me is, is it means that his ideas are worth trying. Yes. And then once, and then those become self-fulfilling. Mm. Like you start to try the way of Jesus and experience the way of Jesus and read about the way he paints a picture of how human existence should and could exist. And then it starts to unfold. It's the most compelling. Yeah, and I love that. And I think sometimes people say, well, I tried it. I think it was G.K. Chesterton that used to say that the, the way of Jesus, um, or Christianity, I think is the, the term he used, uh, has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. 
Um, That's a great like, line. Which is just, yeah, it's just wonderful because you, you occasionally run into people who are like, oh yeah, I went to church once and I prayed a prayer or something like that. Or, but, but the reality is like apprenticing with Jesus is not the work of a moment. Um, yeah, and I've had, I've had people, I've, tons of people say, I grew up in the church. What are you talking about? And yeah. Um, and I tried that. I tried mm-hmm. that. I tried, it's not for me. It's not for me. It's not for me. Mm-hmm. That the, like over and over again, that's actually, I think in America, that's the most common reaction. Yes. Cause we're in an era where the majority of Americans, at least in middle-class suburban America have been exposed to Christianity totally, in yeah. some way. Oh, I, I went to a VBS venture, once. Yeah. I would actually venture to say, yeah, the, like, the majority of people kind of have some sort of exposure to it. And then they're like, yeah, it's just not for me. And my counter argument would be, I don't think you, you actually have been exposed to the teachings of Jesus. Yeah. As um, you've been exposed to what some, some group explained was the gospel uh-huh. to you. And most of the time they have no idea what Jesus actually taught. Yeah. They only know what this sub subgroup did taught or some nuance of it, which may have been some truth or a misunderstanding, or it was brought to them by a character that was so hostile or painful that they couldn't actually hear the message or yeah. on and on. And, and I, on. I actually, I was listening to a podcast. I think it was John Mark Coma the other day, who, who has a podcast almost as good as ours, I believe. Almost. <laughs> He's a very smart they guy. They don't have random stories with Alex, so there's no way it can be quite as good, but almost as good. <laughs> Oh Lord, is that our strong card? Is that our... Um, maybe that's why it's so successful. Um, but but one of the things he said that really stuck with me is he said it surprised him when he was asked to start traveling to teach. He would go to these churches and people that had been in church for 40 years would come up to him and be like, oh my goodness, I've never heard of the, like the things that you're talking about. I've never heard them in 40 years of church. And he said, the, the scary thing was what I was doing was I was talking about discipleship, apprenticing with Jesus, like taking Jesus commands and living by them. Like he said, like, how is that something you haven't heard in 40 years in church? But he said, regularly this happened. People would say, I've been around church all my life and this has never been introduced to me in this way. Yeah. Um, which brings me to, uh, so maybe a, a note. My guess is most of our listeners are followers of Jesus. Yeah. I'd be shocked if you aren't and you're listening to this. Why? If you are that, that, send came, us a note. They came for the quantum physics and they yeah. stayed for the theology. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's random stories with Alex. Maybe that's why they're here. Um, well, maybe that's why they left. But one of, my, uh, one of the ways that I've talked about the gospel with unbelievers, well, I, I don't know how you want to describe it, uh, nowadays <laughs> recently that's more interesting way of having the conversation i think is what most people you say you know i'm a pastor or whatever is like hey have you had any faith interaction they're like oh yeah it's not for me yeah i say oh you've just never heard the gospel and then i just kind of like drop the conversation and they're like oh no i know the gospel and i'm like no you don't yeah <laughs> <laughs> pushing some buttons and they're like well yeah, like, and they try, they start to explain the gospel. And I was like, no, that's not it. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, so then I get them to tell me the gospel. Yeah, and yeah. most of the time, it's just, it's like a little twisted. It's not the compelling story that uh-huh. Jesus gives. It's whatever. And then you can just fill in the gaps. But I, there's been a couple times where I've said that, and then I just leave the conversation. Yeah. I, I really I'm think, let it. or I'll, I'll just say, I don't think you've ever actually heard the teachings of Jesus, usually what is, is what I say. And um, I think knowing a little bit about you, I think that it would be the most compelling thing and that you would totally resonate with it. And then I just leave. <laughs> I just actually just walk off. I actually did. In the house. There was one time right. I said, all I had was like 15 minutes with and this person. And on that note. <laughs> and I said, if you're ever interested, just read the gospels. Like yeah, yeah, Matthew, yeah, yeah. Mark, Luke, John, I those are the, it. just stay in there. And live in there until you kind of get to know his mm. actual teaching. And I, I think you'd be surprised. Yeah. And then I just got up from the table and walked out because I had to go to another meeting. I love it. I don't know if whatever happened to it, but he was kind of like, I mean, how does he not sit there and go, maybe I don't know the gospel? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's, there's this 
uh, evangelist guy who's, I think he's from Ireland. Someone sent me a video of him the other day and uh, I'd seen a few things that he'd done before. And, and it's not my style of talking about Jesus personally, but I love that he's talking to people about Jesus. I mean, I, I tried this style years ago of like being out on the streets and stopping people in the street. Never worked. Um, is, it, but, is this the guy that's pretty hell driven? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. His, was, his name's Joe yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and anyway, he, but one of the things he does that made me intrigued was he does go up to people and say, I've got 20 pounds for you. If you can tell me the gospel. Um, and people are just like, damn it. I, w I wish I knew because <laughs> I could get 20 pounds right now. <laughs> um like you can see the frustration in the faces of like Arr! um but but i, I think he, like in, in a society like england um or maybe ireland i think he's in um you could see that there's loads of people that don't even have a word familiarity with gospel but even in church we tend to find i think that that a lot of people can't define the gospel outside of Jesus died to pay my sins or something like that, which is part of the gospel. Yeah. Um, but not the whole thing. Yeah. And I almost was going to ask you, all right, well, tell us the gospel. But I have a belief about the gospel that would, that that would almost be like, this is a 30 hour podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is, it the gospel is big enough to envelop all of human existence, all of current mm. life an explanation of everything in the past yeah. and everything moving forward in the future, yeah. the destruction, the pain and the restoration of all mm. of humanity. That was where you'd have to go totally, to yeah, like yeah. fully. So yeah. And, and broadly speaking, like, but do you have a short version? Well, what Jesus, it said that what, what we get, we get told in the gospels is again, dangerous word to use in the biographies of Jesus is Jesus came preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. Totally. So any definition of the gospel has to ha has to begin with God present in the world, reigning in a particular way. Now to get beyond that requires so much, uh, especially for a, an audience that doesn't necessarily jive well with kingship or monarchy or all of those different elements. We're like, wait. Can we not say Jesus came to be president of the world or something like that? Jesus came no. looking for my vote. Um, there's a. It's not a democracy. No, it's not. It is not. So there's. The, Did there's, you know that democracy is not the most biblical framework of government? Definitely not. No. Yeah. That's yeah. a little scary for some people out there. Theocracy for the way. Theocracy. Um, but but so broadly speaking, there is a an entry of God, a re-entry of God into His own world, and a a reshaping of that around His kingdom now and forever. Uh, as part of that, Jesus reaches individual people and invites them to repent and turn return to God. Um, and all of the forgiveness of sins that goes into that is an important part. But having a broad definition of of something like gospel is really hard for us as 21st century followers of followers of Jesus in America. And I think we experience that in church all the time. So that's, that's the second part of the message that you gave on Sunday. You said there's a first part, and I'm probably breaking, maybe I'm breaking this down in too simple of a terms. This is me from memory, just listening yeah, yeah. to your, your message. You had the part where you're saying it's plausible. Yeah. Like it, you, you can be intellectually honest uh -huh scientifically astute and still yes. say that faith yeah. in a resurrected Jesus is plausible. Yeah. That's one movement. Yeah. And then the other movement was that it's preferable. Yeah. Right. Did I do yeah. a good job? You did. That was it. Yeah. That was uh, those two movements. That was it. Way to go. Look I at hope that. you guys remembered it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Possible and preferable. Do I get extra points? Definitely. I'm going to get oh, a raise. I'm going to point at you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, All right. All right. So, um, but the preferable part, yeah. So the word gospel is Glad good times. news. Good times, it's good yeah. news. It's like this something that would be received as good uh -huh. news. And so like go into that a little bit more because I feel like so many people when they've heard the gospel it's actually come across as bad news. <laughs> yeah, it's like how would you make the best news ever bad? So so <laughs> I think I think w w one of the the early seminary classes for most people is when they go, they they start to hear maybe for the first time that 
gospel isn't a new word. It's not something that the first followers of Jesus pulled out of thin air. It's got a history to it. The Jewish idea of glad tidings um, was, you know, it's all over Isaiah. It's all over some of the other prophets that start to talk about God, God's new reign in Israel, all the things that will come out of the future. The Romans talked about gospel. Uh, the the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, was Romans would come to a town, they would threaten to destroy it, and if you just turned all the good stuff over to them and agreed to become a vassal of Rome, it was like, nah, okay, now you're on our side. Like, yeah, we'll so, bring you in. Uh, maybe, maybe the uh, ancient secular equivalent of an evangelist was the guy who would run across the countryside uh-huh. to let the ruler know that the war is over. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, the yeah. event. And yeah. so he's the the sprinter uh-huh. who carries the gospel. Yeah, yeah, totally. He's the yeah, evangelist yeah, yeah, yeah. with the gospel. You know, that's like the ancient secular yeah, mindset. Yeah, the good about news the... bringer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and so th- that those words are um, are old words. And, and now as Jesus comes and starts teaching, they become the groundwork for what he's talking about. Um, which is that God is re-entering the world, um, and, and so like that—that that in itself is is supposed to be received by people as good news. The rightful ruler now comes to reign, but as with all those other good news, is there's another element of like, well, what does that mean for you as an individual person? Mm-hmm. Uh, so like the Roman good news meant as a farmer just trying to make a living and sell crops, you get to keep selling crops and making a living. Like there is no war anymore. Um, and so somewhere there's something about what God is doing in the world that says, no, for you, this is a good news. And so when we talk about like this big word atonement for a lot of years, the central idea of atonement for the church, like what has God done for us? How has he brought us to at one moment? Um, was that, well, you don't have to worry about death anymore. Um, which has been the, as we talked about with resurrection, has been the universal condition. Um, yeah, there's this nemesis that no one gets away from. Yeah, it's like there's there's a few things that are insatiable, and one is the grave. Um, and so at its simplest level, the story of the thief on the cross represents that, like, yeah. Jesus, can't you do something about this situation, is his request. Um, and Jesus' response is, today you'll be with me in paradise. Um, mm. And there's no, and we talked about this on, I think, was it the week before Palm Sunday? I can't remember. But there is no other element to his faith other than, than yeah, the guy in the middle cross. He's the one that told me I could come. Yeah. Um, which is just fascinating. Like that, that in itself is the strict, like this is the good news that, that for you individually, death is defeated. And now your participation in the kingdom is not, um, just now in this moment, it's forever and all time, mm. um, which is pretty good news when you think about it. It is. It is. So you said that there's some folks who would not not receive that as good news. So what's what's not to like? That's a great question. I'm probably not the best person to ask because I think it's good news. <laughs> um, but but so, so there's a lack of there's a. I might be giving you a loaded question. Yeah. But yeah. Well, there's a surrender that's required in that story, yeah. just as there is in the Roman yeah. story. Good job. You found the answer I was yeah. looking for. So, so I. <laughs> Leading the witness. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you think about go back to that Roman gospel. What's the downside to saying yes to the Roman gospel? Well, it's a lack of autonomy. Um, it's like we used to be a free and independent state, and now we're paying taxes to Rome. We're under Rome's protection. Yes, we're part of the empire, but we're not free to just do whatever we want. And there might be a Roman presence here that wasn't there before. And so that there's and, a downside to that. And there's, yes, and there's same, the same reality is true in the kingdom of God. Like, you relinquish your kingdom uh-huh. or you say my kingdom is completely subservient in service mm-hmm. to all of the resources that I think I have that mm-hmm. were actually given to me by the king. Yeah. But <laughs> all of the resources that I think I have, yeah. my gifts, my passions, my possessions, 
my time, my energy, my emotions, my affections, all of it is in service to the kingdom, king mm. and the kingdom and his agenda. And that, now, that's... for some, they're like, yeah, that doesn't sound like a great idea. Um, and so the, 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 one of the steps for that kind of person is they have to first confirm and believe that the king is good. Yes. Such a massive prerequisite yeah. for truly accepting the gospel is you have to believe that this is not... This is not your average and, king. And I would say even like, like there's an extent, there's a first part to that, that you have to believe the king is the rightful king. Yeah. And that the king is good. And the king is yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he, he has claim. Um, like, like that's an important element. And like, some people might yeah. even make that mental sense, but I don't think it's that he's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm so, so you need both parts of those things. And we have such an ownership mentality. Um, especially in this nation, I think. Yeah. Because we're told from our earliest age, like it's so good, like create, be an owner, don't be a an employee. Like Harvard Business School, the most successful, like the, the center of business or whatever. I'm sure there's other good ones, but, but what do they tell you? We're not going to teach you how to get a job. We're going to teach you how to make a job. Um, huh. You know, like we're going to, we're going to, we, we're not interested in, getting you to a point where you can go work for someone. We're going to get you to a point where you're the one that's creating jobs. Huh. Um, like, like own stuff. Like don't, don't lease when you can buy. Um, which mm. is that I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that economically. Um, the, we would need an econ economist to be able to help us understand that element, but it can be a problem spiritually. If it leads you to believe the ownership allows you to take anything out of this world. Um, and I think this is why Jesus said not many rich will enter the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. It's just really hard. And and I recognize that I'm one of the rich. Yeah. yeah. Given the fact that I'm just living in America. But yeah, it's, it's super hard when you have so much autonomy in, mm -hmm. in a Western middle-class sort of environment. It's yeah. super hard not to be deeply, deeply believe that I can control the outcome. Yeah. I started dabbling in stocks for a while, and I've talked about this before, and I was bad at it, so I stopped doing it. Um, well, so am I, but I won't admit it. Yeah, uh, won't admit that you're bad at it, or won't yeah. admit that you stopped. Um, <laughs> I'm just dollar cost averaging in because I found out how stupid I was. <laughs> well, I think that's the thing. Like, but that's that's so, so. What I realized about why I was doing stocks, like everything I was doing, was risky stock stuff. Yeah. Like I was like I was playing long odds with the hope of like a big payoff, which is fine for some people, I guess. But what what when I look at it, like why was I doing that? It's fine when it's one percent of your portfolio. Totally, yeah, not yeah, hundred yeah. percent of your portfolio. Yeah. <laughs> and I, so, so like I, I was swinging for the fences because I wanted to create wealth out of nothing. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, what like wouldn't that be amazing? And then I started to look like I wasn't like investing for a a future. I wasn't, I was like, oh, this would make me look really smart, I think. Um, like suddenly I'd have resources when, you know, I chose a pathway or followed a calling is probably a better way of saying it, that does provide limited resources compared to other options I had. And I feel like I did that consciously. I said yes to that because I felt like it was what God had for me. Um, but I do remember like a divergence of like wanting to do banking. I was going to do law. Like I had some options for different career tracks and then I said, no, I'm going to go to seminary. Um, so like somewhere, like, I feel like I accepted the path of no wealth. Uh, and then I was like, well, what if I just created it out of like brilliance in this area? And then like realizing, well, why? Like, is it because you feel like a lack of wealth says something about you or a lack of ownership says something about you? Huh. Um, like, what's the motivation here? It was just intriguing to me. And it's, it's uh, I see this with, with like the, the school that my kids happen to go to is a brilliant school. But like one of the things they talk about a lot is like start a business, start a business, start a business, ownership, 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 ownership. And I'm like, huh, that's so interesting to me um, because... I, ownership does definitely have its spiritual downsides if it doesn't have its um, sociological downsides.
Yeah. Like, like if we get into that ownership mentality, it's so hard to surrender all of that stuff to the king. Yeah, I think I've told this story maybe on the podcast before, but one time when I was a kid, I asked my dad, Dad, do you think you're ever going to be rich? And he said, no. And I was like, why not? He's like, I don't think I have the gift. Mm. And I was like, I didn't understand until years later when I realized, like, he's not, he doesn't squander his money. He mm -hmm. just doesn't think that he is wired to steward it well. And there are some people that totally. are. Like I they, would totally agree. They can with be him. filthy rich and not be owned by oh, it. My, and, and I that's think I've told this story. My uncle was one of those people. Yeah. Like, and I, I think what what it is is this. Like, I don't have a lot. I give what I I try to give out of what I have, and and I do believe, like, as you get more wealth, giving something becomes easier. Um, yes. like I, I, I think, I think there's, there's more free space to give. So I, I've heard people say that's not true. And I'm like, I, I don't know if I buy it. I could be wrong, but I feel like yeah. as you, you get more, there's some space. Talk to Maslow. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I think is as you get more, like really the calling of Jesus is not to give a percentage. Like we, we've got into the habit of talking about that in church, give 10% with the implication that you can hold 90%. And God has 10 and you get 90. And actually the only way Jesus seems to talk about wealth and stewarding it is you have to hold all of it completely open-handed. And anything that he wants to use for his kingdom goes to his kingdom. And the more stuff you have, the harder and harder that becomes to do. Yeah. Um, because you find all of these little places to hide it away and say, no, that's mine for like this thing and this thing and this thing. Um, and, yeah. and, and I... And that's that all that is to answer that question of why might the gospel not be compelling? Yeah. Why might it yeah, not man, be Yeah, we really meander If on that. your main agenda is to control a lot of things and to advance your kingdom, the the range, as Dallas Willard would say, a the, the a kingdom is just the range of your effective will. Yeah. Um, yeah, your circle of influence is a way I've described yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Point. It's how far where you want want to have something happen can actually happen. Mm -hmm. How much influence do mm -hmm. you have in the world? And so you, if you really want that to be preserved and sustained and whatever, eventually the gospel can't be good news to you. You have to eventually get to the place where you're like, actually, God's ideas or God's kingdom is better than mine and mm. i surrender to him his way his reign his okay it starts to get a little closer to home yeah and i would venture to say that can be a progressive journey yeah which and is why we continue to talk about surrender over and over i don't over know if i'll be able churches. to dig it out but I, d I actually did a week on stewardship um and there was this quote that intrigued me because it seemed to like land perfectly on the Oh man, like this is where you're like, I, I wish I had everything organized better than I think I do. Um, hmm. Might just have to be for another day. Bro broadly speaking, not verbatim, he said like, wh where stewardship is harder than ownership is that both can come with resources, but ownership maintains control of the resources. And a stewardship mindset of what you have demands that you surrender control without surrendering responsibility <laughs> like yeah. that's that's so difficult um you're actually saying to another one you decide so the more stuff you have the bigger your house the more you have to decide and i think i joked the other day like yeah. I, I i found this jacket for 40 dollars that was 700 dollars, and it would be easier for me to give away a 700 jacket if if I just had $700 to buy a new jacket, I think. But but because I got it for 40, I'm like, I'll never find another one of these for $40. Yeah. <laughs> like the more stuff you get, the, the harder it is. And he's not lying because he keeps telling the story about this jacket. So he, <laughs> he's just, so proud I of it. I love a bargain. <laughs> <laughs> it's an English thing. He gets so excited. It's amazing. <laughs> English people are like Indians in this respect. An Indian person invented the number zero or 
discovered the number zero. And, and one comedian said it's because they looked at all the other numbers and said, none of those is the number I want to pay for anything. Like, <laughs> I need a number that describes what I want to pay. Zero. <laughs> there it is. English people are, are very similar to Indian people in that respect. That's awesome. That's a great line. So, um, so do we circle back to resurrection or to quantum physics? No, I think I think we maybe just we could probably tie it up and just say, okay, the gospel, it's good news, it's mm -hmm. compelling. So it's plausible. It's preferable, maybe. We're recommending it as preferable. Mm -hmm. But if we now we've described about how maybe the good news could be hard news for some. But I do I do think it's like, invasive news. Yeah. To our own kingdom. But an invite is always, and this is an invite that's good for you and I, and for anyone that's been following Jesus for years, is to, to regularly reappraise, Jesus, how well am I doing following your way of living? What, you, what would you teach me in this season? Like how in this season yeah. can I learn to follow you better? And that comes with some scary results sometimes. Yeah, and so maybe that's, maybe the pastoral like recommendation is to say, you can progressively surrender. Yeah. The one thing I would recommend you don't do is just tap out altogether because one issue became difficult mm. and just say, all right, Lord, what do you want me to surrender this time? And then dip your toes in the water and then progressively surrender. And I think partially because I've been doing this for a while and, and discovering the way of Jesus and all, all along the way, it, he's proven himself like, I think I'm right. I think I'm right, but I'm going to try your way. Oh, dang it. He was right again. Mm. <laughs> turns out Jesus is right again and again and again. And Jesus. not because, um, it, and, and at each turn, it's because it's good for me. Mm. Yeah. Like his kingdom is actually the best kingdom for your kingdom. Yes. Ultimately. Uh, anyway, so that's maybe the, the, pastoral nudge to don't, don't tap out if it's just a hard one i love it is that okay i love it great to see you guys this week we start a new series on relationships and yeah, yeah. you're teaching in a couple of weeks it's yeah kind of exciting i love that you like now you committed to it because i said it on the podcast like, oh man <laughs> i was telling him before the episode started yeah i agreed to to, to teach and then now the subject matter is like growing and it's becoming more daunting and it's like this monster in my closet and we get to switch podcast roles as well i get to ask you all the questions yeah and i told you that the only reason i was preaching is because i could tell everyone not what not to do because i've already <laughs> done it all i've done everything poorly and i, I could tell them it. what not to do i love it <laughs> all See right you guys we'll catch you next time on the red couch theology podcast the red one. couch quantum physics podcast oh i love it I, we should start a second podcast. <laughs> All right, we should probably tune it, turn this off now. Oh, I didn't even pull up our thing to shut it off. So you guys are going to just have to watch me sit here and push buttons, log in, log into accounts. Well, I was too busy creating my jingle. <laughs> Bye. Well, thanks again for listening. And we hope that that was a helpful conversation for you. We'd love to interact with you about this. So feel free to leave comments, questions, all that sort of thing. And we'll try our best to get back to you when we can. Have a great day.